Welcome to the Bovine Ontario Animal Health Network Q1 update. I'm Dr. Cynthia Miltenberg, co-lead of the Owen Bovine Network. We have a couple of highlights from our previous quarter today, including an update on diagnostic lab data, lead toxicosis, and a global surveillance update. So first, over to Dr. Rebecca Egan from the Animal Health Laboratory for our surveillance update. There were 196 bovine pathology submissions to the Animal Health Laboratory between February 1st and April 30th of 2021. Uh, I'm going to go through some of uh, what we found, uh, starting with salmonella updates. So in total, there were just over 250 bovine submissions with bacterial culture, uh, and that's not including milk samples. Of these, 14 submissions had isolation of salmonella coming from approximately seven premises, and uh, salmonella Dublin was the isolate in six of the seven cases. Uh, and these were typically um, associated with septicemia, and then those animals would have uh, pneumonia or enterocolitis or both. Um, so that was the main finding there with Salmonella Dublin. Uh, some of the other isolates that, that were uh, found this quarter, so Salmonella Ciro, uh, and that was associated with diarrhea, and then also Salmonella Typhomerium uh, var Copenhagen, uh, and that was associated with enteritis, pneumonia, and or septicemia, uh, so kind of similar to what we see with Salmonella Dublin. Uh, next, moving on to bovine viral diarrhea virus. So for BVD, uh, a total of 362 PCR tests were performed. There were 36 positive results uh, out of those tests, and of these, 12 were identified as part of uh, routine herd screening. One was from an animal displaying signs of mucosal disease, and 22 positive uh, results were identified during herd screening for a sheep flock and that was following the discovery of congenital BVDV infection uh, at that premises. Uh, and we also uh, did three immunohistochemical tests, so IHC, and of those, we had only a single positive result, and that was from uh, one of the congenitally infected lambs. And moving on to abortion, there were 34 submissions uh, for abortion investigations, and that was uh, 17 dairy, 17 beef, so pretty much even there. And a presumptive or definitive diagnosis was achieved in 14 cases, so that was less than 50% of the submissions, which, as we all know, is is uh, pretty much on par uh, for abortion investigations. Um, in the ones that we did have an infectious cause identified, uh, the most common infectious cause was actually bacterial this quarter, and uh, 10 of those cases uh, had a bacterial etiology. Some of the um, pathogens that were uh, implicated included Truparella pyogenes, Bacillus lichiniformis, uh, Streptococcus pleuranomalium, Streptococcus lutetiensis, and then we also had um, a single case of uh, Neospora and another case of bovide herpes virus type 1 um, associated with uh, abortion. There were Interestingly, also a few reports of beef herds experiencing increased numbers of stillbirths and or weak-born calves. Congenital disproportionate dwarfism uh, was something that was observed in one instance, and potential etiologies for that condition um, include several things. So one being genetic chondrodysplasia. We can also see nutritional chondrodysplasia, which is reported to be associated with low hepatic zinc or manganese concentrations. 
Um, also chondrodysplasia resulting from exposure to plant toxins or toxic levels of vitamin A. So those were some interesting uh, cases uh, to, to come across our desks this quarter for um, abortion investigations. Um, moving on, respiratory disease. So uh, as seen in previous quarters, uh, pneumonia was the most frequent pathology diagnosis in cattle over two months of age. So we had a about 21 cases uh, diagnosed at the lab this quarter for that. And again, the most common etiologies being Manhamia hemolytica, Pasteurella multalcida, Histophila somni, uh, BRSV, and then also uh, we had a mycoplasma bovis. Uh, when it comes to the mature cattle, um, there were a couple of cases of pneumonia and those were attributed to Manhamia hemolytica and there was one that was um, due to Bibristinia trehalosi. When it comes to enteric disease, as we've seen in previous quarters, enteritis was the most common uh, pathologic diagnosis in um, young calves. So the dominant infectious causes, as we see in, in every quarter, rotavirus, uh, coronavirus, and cryptosporidium, and concurrent infections uh, were identified in several of those cases. There were also three cases of abomycitis and ruminitis, and two of these had secondary mycotic infection. And in older calves, uh, basically we've seen a couple of cases of coccidiosis, a few cases of abomasal bloat, um, abomasal ulcers, and uh, there was one case of necrosoperative uh, glossitis caused by Fusobacterium necophorum, so that was interesting. And then finally, looking at what we've seen for neurologic disease, uh, two cases of listeria encephalitis uh, were identified, one in an older calf and one in an adult. Uh, there were also several cases of polioencephalomalacia affecting older calves and adults. And um, kind of related to polioencephalomalacia, we had um, lesions, brain lesions, and then we confirmed uh, diagnosis of lead toxicosis. And we'll talk a bit more about that later. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Our next segment will focus on preventing lead toxicity in cattle. In 2021, there have been two reported cases of lead toxicity in Ontario. Lead is one of the most common toxicoses in cattle. The inquisitive nature of cattle who are often indiscriminate eaters puts them at risk for lead toxicosis when they encounter novel discarded materials that contain lead. We don't have cases every year. Lead toxicosis is a sporadic disease, but cases tend to occur in the spring when cattle are turned out to pastures that contain a source of lead. Rebecca and I are going to chat a bit today about signs of lead toxicity, why the clinical signs develop, and how to reduce the risk of cattle encountering sources of lead. Let's start with what cattle affected by lead toxicity look like. It depends a bit on the stage of progression of the disease and the amount of lead an animal consumed. Signs range from acute death to the more typical signs of polioencephalomalacia. For the animals that die acutely, there might be no clinical signs at all, so it's always on my differentials for sudden death. When signs are seen, they are usually neurologic in nature. Most frequently, cattle are reported to be blind, sometimes circling, often aimlessly wandering, and sometimes vocalizing. Generally, they become depressed, although excitement or seizures may also be observed. One veterinarian that had attended a case of lead toxicity described to me how cattle had broken through a gate prior to dying. 
It's important to note that not all animals that have ingested lead will show symptoms. However, their blood and tissue levels may be higher than permitted. This is why we need to investigate all animals that may have been exposed to a source of lead. So this leads us to what is happening physiologically to cause these symptoms. Rebecca, can you help us with that? Yes, so the absorption, distribution, and elimination of lead varies depending on the chemical form of the lead and you know the amount ingested, the age and species of the animal and other physiologic factors. Um, lead from salts such as lead sulfate uh, are absorbed more readily than metallic lead from battery plates, so that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, from, from some of the, the literature, it seems like metallic lead does not reliably produce poisoning in ruminants, um, under experimental conditions, but it often does so naturally. So, uh, you know, if the metal is weathered and contains soluble salts on its surface, then, then that can, um, it, it seems that that might be something that leads to clinical disease, um, and, uh, presumably from, from the greater absorption. Um, and again, yeah, regardless of the chemical form of the ingested lead, really only a small proportion um, is absorbed in general in the alimentary tract just because of the uh, insolubility of the lead complexes, uh, which are then excreted in, in feces. Um, once the lead is absorbed, uh, approximately 60 to 90% uh, can be found in erythrocytes, uh, the rest being bound to albumin or other proteins. Uh, so yeah, very little is found unbound in the serum. And then it's, the lead is distributed to soft tissues. So in particular, the kidneys, the liver, uh, ultimately to bone as well. Um, and so that, that can serve kind of as a storage, uh, for the excess lead. Uh, and then after that, um, excretion is, is quite slow. Uh, it primarily, primarily it's, it's through bile and milk of lactating animals, uh, and, uh, of small amounts being excreted in, in the urine. Several biochemical processes are affected by lead. Uh, lead is, as we know, a neurotoxicant and at elevated doses, it disrupts the blood brain barrier, uh, which is a big deal. So that allows albumin and water and electrolytes to enter. And that's what causes, um, the edema and, uh, in, in neurologic system. So lead mimics or inhibits the, the action of, you know, calcium altering the release of neurotransmitters and activating protein kinases and all of that. So you can see how that would cause um, the clinical signs that um, Cynthia had outlined. Um, so yeah, in addition to that, lead inhibits um, some things that are involved in the synthesis of heme and hemoglobin. So um, this not only plays a role in lead-associated anemia, but it does also result in decreased oxygen-carrying capacity uh, with the nervous system being susceptible already to the results of the tissue ischemia. Thanks, Rebecca. So let's talk about how cattle in Ontario become exposed to lead. And the number one reason is discarded batteries from cars or farm machinery. If the inside of the battery can be accessed, cattle will lick the lead plates inside. And batteries that have been left outdoors and exposed to freezing and thawing a few times are more likely to have a broken case and are especially dangerous for cattle. There are several reports even of cattle where batteries have been baled into feed when they were left in fields and cattle became exposed through the feed later on. Another source of lead is paint. The, this risk relates mostly to older paints because newer paints are virtually lead-free. 
If animals have access to older painted buildings, they can lick them and consume paint chips, which can then sit in the rumen and continually leach lead. Discarded engine oil is another risk. And although newer oil is lead free, there can be old oil spills or contaminated dump sites. Farm machinery in general is a risk, it contains batteries, grease, used oil, even the filters which cattle can access. And there's lots of other materials that cattle might access, including roofing materials, plumbing supplies, and even lead shot. As a result of all the types of animals I've just li uh, listed, the implication is we need to prevent cattle access. So our main points of prevention are prior to turning cattle out to new pasture or returning to a yard to first check it for discarded materials that have accumulated since the area was last occupied by livestock. We may need to walk pastures and fields to carefully look for discarded junk that may look uninteresting to us, but novel to cattle. This is especially necessary if cattle haven't grazed the land before or if it's new to the producer, such as renting a new location. Want to make sure we dispose of used batteries, paint, and oil properly at local collection stations for hazardous waste. Hazardous waste. And if disposal can't be immediately arranged, we want to make sure to secure the battery or other material in a place that cattle won't be accessing. Finally, if batteries are broken up, the soil around the battery will also be contaminated and should be cleaned up. As mentioned, exposure to lead poses a serious health risk to livestock, but it is also a human health risk. Meat or milk from livestock exposed to high levels of lead poses a health risk for humans and should not be allowed to enter the food chain. For this reason, we need to be sure the source of lead is removed and all cattle that may have been exposed are tested to determine if their blood levels of lead are within safe limits. Due to this risk, animals are quarantined at their home premise until they have normal lead levels again. The half-life of lead is about two months. This means it takes two months to excrete half the lead, then two months to excrete the next half, and so on. Therefore, if you start with a high lead level, it can take many months, even up to a year or more, to excrete all the lead. If cattle have retained any lead in their rumen, such as paint chips, these can continually leach more lead, making the time to clear even longer. So to wrap up, let's all be on the lookout for discarded batteries or other materials that may look innocuous to us, but are risky to cattle. Recycle those batteries. We're going to turn over now to our global surveillance update. Today our update is on lumpy skin disease in Southeast Asia. I'd like to acknowledge the information in this update comes from ProMed. Lumpy skin disease has been reported in the Lao People's Democratic Republic. Cattle and buffalo in 30 districts of seven provinces across the country have become infected. There have been almost 11,000 clinical cases, of which 8,000 have been treated and more than 100 animals have died. The virus was first reported in Laos in April 2021. In June, the government placed a temporary ban on the import and export of livestock and beef products to prevent the spread of lumpy skin disease. Isolation of affected animals and supportive treatment is being provided, and provision of vaccines is being explored in the country. Lumpy skin disease is a pox viral disease that affects cattle. It is transmitted by blood-feeding insects. Disease causes fever and nodules on the skin and can cause death especially in naive animals. Typically, control of the disease is centered around vaccination and culling of infected animals. Although mortality is typically low, there can be significant economic losses resulting from loss of condition, decreased milk production, abortion, secondary mastitis, infertility, and damage to hides. The disease is endemic in most of Africa and part of the Middle East, 
In 2012, it spread to Southeast Europe, affecting Greece and Bulgaria. However, a vaccination program has since halted the epidemic in Southeast Europe. Thanks for joining us today for our Q1 update. For more information, check out the full Owen reports at owen.ca. 